Good morning. Please join me as we begin our worship together in our responsive reading. Print it in your worship folder and also on the screen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. For in Christ, the dead live again, the lost are found. This is cause for rejoicing. Let the celebration begin. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to everyone. We are glad that you are here today. It's great to be in God's house with God's people, sharing in fellowship with one another and sharing in fellowship with God. And we we welcome you here. Um, Just a few announcements I'd like to call to your, your attention. First of all, I'd like to remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on the end of each row. We'd like to ask if you would um, please fill that out so we could have a record of your attendance and uh, fill it out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us. 
But if you would like to receive our our weekly email newsletter, it comes out every Thursday. Please be sure to put your email address on there, and we'll be glad to uh, put you on our list. And that way you can um, uh, be abreast of all of the opportunities for worship and service and fellowship uh, and ministry here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, Speaking of some of those things, let me bring you up to date on some things that are going to be happening soon. Uh, Next Sunday, uh, the 24th, Bert Montgomery will be in town. Now, Bert Montgomery, you may may or may not know him. Uh, he uh, spent some time here in Henderson. I think he was the uh, youth minister for a little little while at the uh, First United Methodist Church. And uh, he is an author and has written a couple of books. And he will be here next week. And Community Baptist Church, along with Zion uh, United Church of Christ, We'll be sponsoring a book signing for him on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the, the two books that he's written so far are Elvis, Willie, Jesus, and Me. And the second one, the newest one, is called Psychic Pancakes and Communion Pizza. So along that thing, that, and that kind of gives you an idea of the kind of books they are. They are, they are very spiritual books, but also filled with a lot of humor and a lot of uh, good, uh, good-natured stories. So along the, along the theme of the second book called Psychic Pancakes and Communion Pizza, we decided to have this book signing at the Fire Dome Pizza Place. So that will be Sunday afternoon between 2 and 4, and and those books will be available for you to purchase, and you can get him to sign those books, and he'll be doing some readings and telling some stories as well. Uh, So that's from 2 to 4 on Sunday. I hope you can be there for that. Also coming up, we have our our Summer Fest on August the 7th. That also is from 2 to 4, and that will be filled with a lot of fun activities. Uh, We're going to be having a magician here. There's going to be music. and it's and it's a way for us to to introduce our church to our community. Uh, we've always said that uh, Community Baptist Church is the best kept secret in town. We want we don't want it to be a secret anymore. We want people to know about us, and so we're inviting the community to come in and to have fun with us. And uh, we're also going to be providing some information about our church. Uh, so please plan on being here for that on August the seventh, and uh, and invite your your friends to come. Um, there are a few things that we need for that. We need freezers of homemade ice cream. Um, so please, if you have a homemade uh, uh, ice cream freezer, please make us a, a batch of ice cream. We need homemade cookies and cakes and things like that, and we need help serving. So if you can provide any of those things, please see Jerry Wagner, and, and she'll get you signed up for that. Now, I believe a couple of our youth have some things to say. So uh, youth, uh, Kelsey and Nathaniel, are going to come up and tell us a little bit about their trip to uh, Florida a couple of weeks ago. I guess I'm going first. <laughs> um, we just have a few words to say about our trip to Panama and how fantastic it was. Um, For starters, we all made a lot of really great friends with a group that was from Mississippi, and I'm still trying to stay in contact with all of them as much as I can. And they're really, really great people, and I wouldn't have gotten to know them if it wasn't for this trip to Panama. Okay. (laughs) This is my first year to go, and I'm really glad I went. At first, I was really nervous about going because I didn't know anybody. I was scared I wasn't going to meet any people. But I did. I made some friends from Mississippi, and we're still staying in contact. And I learned a lot about our youth group, even my own brother. (laughs) And we also learned about God. Um, This was my second year going. My first trip was two years ago. And um, back then, I was kind of that kid over in the corner reading a book. (laughs) And I'd still be that kid if it wasn't for that trip, because people like... Timmy over there in the back, and um, Ben Boaz and everybody else that was in the group back then, they kind of welcomed me into the group and made me feel like I was a part of something. And Julie, too. I would not be up here in front of all of you if it wasn't for the group. Um, whenever I first joined the youth last year, um, I really wasn't involved. I really didn't want to do anything. I was kind of scared. 
And believe it or not, I'm kind of shy whenever I first meet people. <laughs> but I grew to know people like Nathaniel and Timmy and Jesse. And so this year I was glad I went to Florida. And I just want to say thank you for letting us go. Yes. We know it's not the easiest thing to bring up money for a trip like this. But it is really worth it because all of us have grown closer to God in so many different ways and grown closer to each other. We're not just a bunch of teenagers in a group after a trip like this. We're just, we're a family now. One big dysfunctional family. Very dysfunctional. <laughs> but we're still a family. We're dysfunctional. We're dysfunctional? Yeah, we're very dysfunctional. We're still family. Uh, I think we got you beat there, buddy. <laughs> I think we got you beat. Oh, uh, whatever. But, um... Thank you for helping us to go on trips like these because it really means a lot to all of us and we all look forward to it every year. We're planning next year. We'll see those Mississippi kids in 365 days. <laughs> so thank you again. Yes, thank you. Can we get a round of applause for Julie? Because yeah. she's just... It, it is a wonderful thing that we're, we're able to, um, uh, for our, our kids to be able to go to Florida each year on this church camp, and, uh, and they get so much out of it. But Nathaniel reminded me to have a little conversation with you about uh, family secrets. <laughs> uh, Nora, I believe, uh, wants to say something about our Sunday school uh, mission project for the summer. And as, as you see on the table over there, we've already had a good start to it. Phyllis is out of town this week and asked me to announce this. Um, last week it was from uh, the land of milk and honey, and we brought milk and syrup, uh, dried milk products and uh, pancake syrup. And this uh, Sunday we continue with this, our Sunday Bible study mission to collect biblically inspired food for community outreach. And the food we would like uh, to donate is mission mentioned in Exodus 16, 29 through 31. On the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. So next Sunday, the items that we would like for you to bring are biscuit mix, cornbread mix, and pancake mix for the community um, outreach. Thank you. It's great to be a part of all of these uh, mission activities and ministries and outreach to our community. And it's great to be here to worship God and to fellowship with one another. Let's uh, continue our fellowship together by standing and greeting each other in the name of the Lord and uh, just share a moment of, of love together. Find somebody you don't know very well and introduce yourself this morning. As our adults are greeting each other, I'd like to invite our children to come on down for our children's moment. Come on down, children. Come on down, children, for our children's moment. some more.
Oh, okay. Now I'm on. Do you guys like corn on the cob? Yeah, me too. I love corn on the cob. I just love when it gets summer. I, I drove to church this morning through big cornfields. They were so tall and green, and it was beautiful. I love corn on the cob. Now, where's the corn? It's in there. Have you ever shucked corn before? No, you've never shucked corn before? Well, how do we get the corn out? Do you know how we get the corn out? We tear it. Okay, well, let's tear it then. Whoops. Start tearing it. See, start up here at the hairy side. Yeah, I'm going to have them shuck my lunch. <laughs> it's hard. And See, look, right inside this is that corn we like so much. But it's kind of hard to get out, isn't it? Well, wonder why, wonder when this corn was growing, when, why didn't somebody just kind of come tear these layers off? So this wouldn't be so hard. You could just tear these layers off. This would be a whole lot easier to get to, wouldn't it, when it was growing? All right, now, now you got all this little hairy stuff. See all this little hairy stuff that you got to get off? Can you get it off, Jerry? It's hard. I don't know why those farmers didn't just come along and take this stuff off while it was growing. Why do you think they didn't? And then it wouldn't grow. Oh, well, okay, well, that makes sense, Jerry. It wouldn't grow. Well, what about all this hairy stuff on this corn? It, if you took this, the hairy stuff, the silky stuff off, it wouldn't grow right. So we've got to have all these layers of shuck and all of this silk, this hairy stuff, in order for the corn to be what it needs to be. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah? Yeah. Well, I wonder why God makes it this way. Because God needed the corn to turn out this way. And God said, if I, unless I put this silky corn, the silky hairy stuff on it, and all of those layers of leaves, the corn wouldn't turn out like I want it to. You know, we're kind of like corn on the cob. Sometimes things come along and it makes, it makes life hard. And it makes life a little tough. And we keep saying, why do I have to go through the hard part? Why does, why does the hard part happen? I'd just as soon not go, I'd just as soon not have to deal with the hard part. I'd just as soon skip it. But if we skip the hard parts, then just like Jerry said, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be the good corn. We wouldn't be as sweet as we are. We wouldn't be as tough as we are. We wouldn't be who we are if we didn't have the hard part too. So just like the, the corn needs the, the shuck and the silk in order for it to be, come out to be the good corn, sometimes we just need the, the hard part too for us to be the people God made us to be. So y'all can have the corn and take it home, tell your moms to take it home and cook it for lunch. Okay? All right. Well, let's pray together. God, thank you for giving us corn. Thank you for creating it perfectly, even though sometimes, God, when it comes times for us to eat it, we have to go through the hard parts to get to it, to get to the good part. And God, just like our lives, sometimes we have to go through the hard part to get to the good part. So thank you. For helping us. Thank you for being there with us. Thank you, God, for loving us. And by the way, God, we love you too. Amen. All right. Time for Children's Church. You can go with uh, Miss Kelsey. Good morning. 
Our scripture reference for today is Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Verse 24, he put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So then the plants came up and poured grain. Then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, do you not, have you not sowed good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go out and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you reveal your word to us today through the fullness of your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you bless our pastor as he brings forth that word and bless those that hear. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Gracious God, as we hand back to you time and talent and treasure, we ask that you use it to further your kingdom. Give us wisdom and discernment as we prepare the ministries that you have for us. Thank you, God, for giving this opportunity to us. Now bless it. Amen. I'd like to thank y'all for letting me come today. Y'all are the 
sweetest bunch of people always to me. You always make me feel so welcome. And I thank Mary for her sermon because that just proves to me that this was the song the Lord laid on my heart because it goes right along with Mary's talk there. We have bad times along the way, and that makes us what we are. But we have the ultimate optimistic reason to wake up the next day and go on because regardless of how bad things get, we know God is there holding us and it's going to get better tomorrow. Thank you, Stephanie. What a beautiful song and so well sung and 
What a great message that is. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. You know what I was doing yesterday at my house? I was pulling weeds. How many of you have have ever had uh, any experience pulling weeds? Uh, Most of us have. Well, I experienced personally and up close yesterday Murphy's first law of gardening. When weeding, the best way to make sure you are removing a weed and not a valuable plant is to pull on it. If it comes out of the ground easily, it's a valuable plant. And of course, the corollary to that law is... To distinguish flowers from weeds, simply pull up everything. Anything that grows back is a weed. Well, today we are confronted with the question of what to do with the weeds. Because those of you who have ever tried to plant a flower garden or a vegetable garden or even an ordinary lawn, you know that weeds are just a part of it. We are always fighting the weeds. So listen to Jesus's parable and see what we can learn about kingdom gardening. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who sowed good seed in the field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprout sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The, the owner's servants came to him and said, sir, Didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these weeds come from? And he replied, an enemy has done this. So the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull up the weeds? And he answered, no, because while you were pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. My friends, if you take Jesus' story literally, this is a pretty scary parable. For you see, eventually the weeds are going to be thrown into the fire and burned. And of course, Jesus isn't actually giving us a guide to growing good wheat here. What he's talking about is human behavior. But there's one thing that is for sure in this scenario. You don't want to be a weed. It's kind of a kind of like the story that our Roman Catholic friends tell. In the Catholic Church, the age of seven is traditionally the age of reason. And so that uh, when, when children reach the age of seven, they are expected to attend mass regularly and go to confession and things like that. And the reason why is because it is considered that the age of seven, they are accountable for their sins. So one five-year-old was impressed when she learned about this age of accountability and when her older brother turned seven she greeted him like this happy birthday Matthew now you can go to hell (laughs) what an honor you finally arrived now you can go to Satan's domain it's scary but folks let me tell you something judgment is an important fact of life someone was commenting on the often heard remark that everything happens for a reason. And the observer said, yes. And the reason is found in Galatians 6, 7. Whatever a person sows, that you will also reap. You know, the reason that some things happen to us is because we're reaping what we've sown. Call it karma if you want or cause and effect or anything like that. But here's the truth. Judgment is a fact of life. You play, you pay. There are consequences for our decisions, both good and bad. Not always, of course, at least not in, in this life, but often that is the case. In the movie, the, the Last Emperor, the young child that was anointed to be the last emperor of China lives a magical life of luxury with thousands of servants at his command. And his brother came to him one day and asked, what happens when you do something wrong? And the boy emperor replied, when I do wrong, someone else is punished. And to demonstrate, he he breaks a jar and one of his servants 
is beaten. What a neat system. If you're the emperor, you do the crime and someone else does the time. And we can say that that doesn't happen in real life. But, you know, in a sense, sometimes it does. I mean, think about it. How often are innocent people punished for the sins of a drunk driver, for example? And how many innocent children suffer because of the sins of an abusive parent? And how many spouses suffer because of the waywardness of their partner? Unfortunately, we live in a world where innocents often suffer because of the stupidity or just plain meanness of others. But usually we reap what we ourselves have sown. Now, we may look at this parable and say that it's horrible that the weeds get thrown into the fire. But that's the way life is. If you plant a bad seed, there's no use praying for a good harvest. Or as someone has said, if you if you sow your wild oats, there's no use praying for a crop failure. Most of the time you're going to get what you sow. But listen to this. What is dangerous is trying to figure out what other people are going to reap. That's dangerous. And some people, I am sorry to say, take much delight in separating people into the acceptable and the unacceptable. The worthy and the unworthy. The good and the bad. The wheat and the weeds. But notice what happens in this parable. The servants come to the landowner and tell him that that there are weeds in his wheat. And they ask him if he wants them to, to pull them up. And the landowner tells them, no, wait until the harvest and then separate them. Now, harvesting wheat in Jesus' time was hard work. The harvesters would use sickles and and they would bend over and, and cut the wheat just above the ground. But what happens if weeds are growing in the midst of the wheat? Well, we're told that The weeds in Jesus' parable were a poisonous variety called bearded darnel. And in the early stages of growth, this bearded darnel so closely resembles wheat that it's impossible to distinguish one from the other. They look exactly alike in the early stages of the growth. And later, when it's possible to distinguish between the two, The roots of the wheat and the roots of the bearded darnel have been so intertwined that to pull up one, you would also have to be pulling up the other. And so the landowner was being very wise when he said, no, let both of them grow together until the harvest. So the servants were not allowed to separate the weeds from the wheat until the time of harvest. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, here it is. A constant theme in Jesus' teaching is that we, his followers, are not to pass judgment on others. And this is, a, this is very important. For you see, traditionally, the primary sin of highly religious people is that of being self-righteous and judgmental. We have a tendency to to judge for ourselves who is fit for the kingdom of heaven and who is not. Who is spiritual and who is not. Who is worthy and who is not. And this is a very dangerous tendency. Let me suggest three reasons why we cannot be the ones to decide who is a weed and who is a wheat. First of all, we should not judge others because We are not totally acceptable ourselves, you know. We're not. We may think we're really good people, but we're not all that hot ourselves. Writer Kent Crockett tells about a married couple who pulled into a full-service gas station. This was back in those days when there were full-service gas stations. They pulled in to gas up their their car, and and as the tank was being filled, the attendant washed the windshield, and when he had finished, the husband stuck his head out the window and said, it's still dirty, wash it again. Yes, sir, the attendant replied. 
But after he cleaned the windshield a second time, the husband said, don't you know how to wash a windshield? It's still filthy. Now do it again. And so the attendant scrubbed the windshield a a third time, carefully looking for any messy spots that he might might have missed. And and by now the husband was, was furious. I can't believe that you are so incompetent that you can't even do a simple job like cleaning a windshield. I'm going to report you to your boss. And just then his wife reached over and removed his glasses and wiped them clean with his with her tissue and then put them back on his face. And it was amazing how clean that windshield was. Jesus said, do not judge or you or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured against you. My friends, we we forget that when we judge other people, we are looking through dirty lenses. And sometimes we criticize others unfairly. We don't know all of their circumstances or their motives. Only God knows that. Even a saint like John Wesley made that mistake. Wesley once told of a man that he had little respect for because he considered him to be miserly and covetous. One day when this person contributed only a small gift to a worthy charity, Wesley criticized him openly because he felt that he should have given much more. But after this incident, the man went to Wesley privately and told him that he had been living on parsnips and water for several weeks. He explained that before his conversion, he had run up many bills and now by skimping on everything and not buying anything for himself, he was paying off his creditors one by one. He said, Christ has made me an honest man. And so with with all these debts to pay, I can give only a few offerings above my tithe. I must settle up with my worldly neighbors and show them what the grace of God can do in the heart of a man who was once dishonest. Wesley then apologized to the man and asked for his forgiveness. Jesus said that we have enough to do seeing to our own acceptability than spending so much time evaluating the acceptability of others. So we do not judge others, first of all, because we are not so perfect ourselves. Leave it to God who to judge who is wheat and who is a weed. But there's a second, and I think maybe even a more important reason why we are not to judge others. For you see, when we pass judgment on others, we distance ourselves from them. Pastor Jason Fryer says that when he was in college, he was walking to class with a few friends who were asking him how he could be a Christian when when so many of the Christians they saw on TV were judgmental and and nasty and self-centered people. He told them that he really thought that Christian people as a whole were much better than that. But as the words left his mouth, he said they, they rounded a corner and were met by a group of students carrying huge signs saying things like turn or burn or and gays will die in hell, and I know what you did last night, and God doesn't like it. Well, Friar was furious. He walked up to one of the women who was carrying one of the signs and asked her if he th- thought if she thought that he was really that she was really making any difference. And in his estimation, it seemed that as though many people were just walking away angry rather than walking away in the love of Christ. The woman told him that in Matthew 5, Christians are told that they will face all kinds of persecutions. And Friar says that he he wanted to shake the woman and scream, yeah, but but he doesn't ask us to, to go looking for it. And later he realized why he was so angry with the way she was doing things. See, she wasn't really engaging anybody. She wasn't really engaging anyone. It's easy to stand on the sidelines with with signs or a bullhorn and tell other people how wrong they are, but it is much different to actually 
engage with people and learn their stories and learn what kind of hurts they've had in their lives and learn what, what's going on with them. That's much harder to do. But that's what we're called to do. We're all familiar with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But let me ask you something. Do you remember the next verse? John 3.17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through Him. Did you hear that? Christ didn't come into the world to condemn people, but to save them. And if we are to be a follower of Christ, then that's the way it must be with us as well. We're not here to judge other people. Our task is to love people and to witness to them of a God who loves them too and who is not out to condemn them. You see, the real problem with passing judgment on others is that it does not allow us to be a a vehicle of God's grace. Folks, our central task is to help other people experience God's grace just as we have experienced God's grace. But we cannot demonstrate the mercy of God if we do not have a spirit of mercy ourselves. Besides, we simply don't know what kind of hurts other people may have experienced. Ken Collins was working near a barn one day and and suddenly he realized he wasn't alone. There was a squirrel that just ran right by him into the barn, almost ran right over his feet. The squirrel was squeaking as he ran along and and then the squirrel came out of the barn again and began running along beside it. And, And Collins realized that he was coming again in his direction and this squirrel was acting crazy and and he thought that maybe this animal had rabies or something. So he picked up a club, but the squirrel once again ran past him and, and went to a huge tree, but... But he stopped. He was not able to climb the tree. And as the squirrel turned to face him, he he spread his front legs and he could see what the problem was. There was an area in the chest of the squirrel where a bullet had entered. Unable to climb the tree, the squirrel finally disappeared into the woods. And Collins whispered a prayer. He said, Lord, what message is there in this scene? And then in the quietness of his own heart, the Lord spoke to Collins. And here's what God said. Ken, you just witnessed a squirrel that was unable to climb a tree because it was wounded. I have a lot of wounded children. But they are still all my children. So do not condemn them because you don't understand. But do all that you can to help them. Now that you do understand. Folks, there's a lot of wisdom in those words. A lot of wisdom there. F.B. Myers once said that when we see a brother or sister in sin, there are two things that we do not know. One, first of all, we do not know how hard he or she tried not to sin. And secondly, we do not know the power of the forces that assailed against him or her. And also, we do not know what we have done, we would have done in the same situation. The teaching of this parable is very clear. There will come a time when the wheat is separated from the weeds, but only God is in a position to judge which is which. In the meantime, let's focus on what God has called us to do. To love all people. And to bear testimony with our words and with our deeds to the amazing grace that God has shown to us in Christ Jesus. Amen.
We're going to sing an invitation hymn, Grace to You. It's number 663 in your hymnal. And this is an opportunity for you to respond to God's work in your life, to the grace of God, the grace that God has given to you. And that's all it is, folks. It is grace. It is mercy. Because nothing that God has done for us is deserved. It is purely because of the grace of Christ, the grace of God. So you may consider yourself to be a hot shot, good, righteous person. Got news for you. (laughs) Only because of the grace of God are you righteous. The Bible tells us there are none who are righteous, not even one. Of course, except for Christ. But you know what? It is the grace of God. That allows us to be in that relationship with the Lord. It is because of the open arms that Jesus extended to each of us. That allows us to be forgiven of our sins. That allows us to have that hope of salvation. It is grace and grace alone. And we as God's people are to extend that grace as well. And not be so judgmental. If you've never experienced the grace of God, I hope you'll do that today. I hope you'll make that commitment to Christ. And it's very easy. All you have to do is say, Lord, I want you to come and live in my life. I want to accept you as my Savior. My Lord, my friend. If you've never done that, I hope you'll do it today. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to unite with our church as we attempt to be the people of God in this community and and minister in God's name and share the, the, the good news of Christ here. And we're not perfect, but you know what? We're forgiven. And we invite you to come and be a part of this forgive, forgiven community of faith. Or maybe you need a time of prayer. We invite you to come and we'll pray. God is dealing in your heart in any way today. We invite you to, as we sing together, grace to you. Would you come? Welcome to them and accepted them into the family of faith here at the community.
by raising your hand and say an amen. amen. Joe and Debbie, we are so grateful for you, for your life, for what you mean to God, and for what you mean to us and will mean to us in the future. And you may not have been here long enough to hear this feel, but these people know what it is. Because I say this to every person who joins this church. And that is that we are all ministers of Christ in this church. Every one of us. Because we are family. And we minister to one another. And we minister to the world around us. And what that means is that in the days ahead, we're looking forward to the ministry that we have for you. We also look forward to the ministry that you have to us and for this world. I know you want to come and greet them after the service and extend the right hand of Christian fellowship and, and uh, welcome them uh, to Community Baptist Church and we invite you to do that. Let us stand for our business. May God's grace and mercy follow you wherever you go and whatever you do. May Jesus' teachings and redeeming love give you Disciplined holy life. May the Holy Spirit's presence give you joy in serving others and being a light in this world of darkness. May we go with the peace.